0: We're going to get a podcast started. Uh, thank you for those that have been tuning into our podcast as well, Glenn Mills Ministries podcast. And also remember YouTube, Facebook, Glenn Mills Ministries. Our website is glennmillsministries.com. And if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can do that by GMM1776. But God's bartering system. Now, you may think, what in the world does that mean, God's bartering system? Now, to barter means this, an exchange of goods or services for other goods or services without using money. Did you get that to barter means to exchange goods or services for other goods or services without using money. Now, when I was a young boy and grew up, again, in eastern North Carolina, just outside the Aden area, just outside of Greenville, many of you probably would know that that was that better. I can re- actually remember when people would barter with one another. They, they would do things. Remember, again, they would exchange goods or services without exchanging money. And what I mean by that is growing up on a farm, often they would exchange farm goods, for labor or needed material. Uh, I can remember exchanging labor for labor. In other words, you help me do this and I'll help you do that. And a lot of times growing up on the farm, when we would get through with our crops, uh, sometimes uh, we would go out and, and, and lend out and help somebody else do their crops. And if somebody was in need, uh, that was not amount of bartering, you just wouldn't help your neighbor, but sometimes i I remember uh, you would have one farm animal you'd have uh, this animal and you trade it for two of those animals, but that 's what we 're talking about bartering goods or services without money being exchanged i, I can remember one time a uh, gentleman uh, as I got older and got into hunting, my grandfather uh, i Lee haddock I used to love the coon hunt with him and learned to deer hunt, squirrel hunt with my brothers and and uh, my brother Lee and cousin Randy um, uh, just remember, really falling in love with hunting, love the fish, but there was a gentleman in the neighborhood had a certain kind, a certain gun that, that I wanted. He he didn't need it. He had a lot of guns, and I remember doing some work for him, and in exchange for that gun, and that see that was bartering, and that's what we're talking about. And then later, uh, I, I did I bartered that gun for another gun that I really wanted. So bartering is still done today. People exchanging goods and services often without exchanging money. But did you ever realize that God, our loving Heavenly Father, also has a bartering system, a system of exchange? And I mean, this is, this is awesome. It's an exciting message about God's bartering system, a system of exchange. So allow me to share with you how truly blessed we really are by God's bartering system. Now, in Isaiah 118, the Word of God says, come. And let us reason together, saith the Lord, your, uh, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. So, so God is saying here in Isaiah, he says, no, come, let us reason together. That's the type of bartering. God says, let's do an exchange here. And what's the exchange? Wow, God's going to take all of our sin. I want you to think about this. Our hearts have been blackened with sin. But God exchanges that heart for a brand new heart that's white as snow. The Bible says as wool and as snow. See, that's a bartering. So what do we get out of the deal? We get salvation and forgiveness. Well, well then, again, if it's bartering, God's got to get something out of this too. And he does. He gets glory and honor. You see, when God forgives us of our sins as he desires to do, He gets glory, he gets praise, he gets honor. You know, we're so excited that we give him all the glory because only he could have done that through his son Jesus Christ. So you see, we get something, but God also gets something out of this. Then when we look at Psalm 30, verse 11 and 12, the word of God says, Thou hast turned for me my mourning into dancing Thou has put off my sackcloth, which means morning clothes, and hast closed me with gladness, which is joy. That my soul may sing praise to you and not be silent, O Lord my God. I will give you thanks forever. Now, I've known many times God has done this in my life. So what do we get out of this? We get gladness. We get joy. We get freedom to dance, to be excited. We get freedom from the sins that bound us, from the things that held us captive. And, and I mean, think about that. God, when you look at that, you have turned. You have turned, you have taken my mourning and taken away even my clothing of mourning and you have given me gladness in exchange. So what do we get? We get gladness. We get joy. We get that freedom that will even allow you to dance. Yes, you have my permission to dance before the Lord. Just like David danced before the Lord, the freedom that he experienced, the joy and the gladness. But what does God get out of this? If we get gladness and joy, and what does he get? He gets praise and thanksgiving. God loves our praise, and God loves it when we are truly thankful. Now, this is really something to be excited about. In Ezekiel 33, 26, it says, And I, being God, will give you a new heart, God says, and a new spirit I'll put within you. And I'll remove the heart of stone, which means the selfish, uncompassionate, prideful heart from your body, the very body you live in, and he says, and I will give you a heart of flesh, which means it's tender, and it's loving, it's kind, and it's compassionate. Wow, look at that, look at that exchange, look at the bartering that is going on. We can call this spiritual bartering, if you will, how God has a spiritual bartering system. We know what a physical is, but a lot of what we're seeing here is a spiritual bartering system. So what do we get out of this? A brand new heart. We get a brand new spirit out of this. God gives us his spirit, his Holy Spirit. The Bible says that we're born with a spirit, but when we come to Christ and we're born again, his spirit joins our spirit. So we join with the very Holy Spirit of God. What does he get out of the deal? He gets a loving, obedient, compassionate child, a son and daughter out of the deal. So, see, when God forgives us, when God takes away that selfish heart, that, that uncompassionate heart, in exchange, he gets a child that becomes loving and compassionate and obedient. You see, this is so exciting. Have you noticed, though, as, as I continue to explain this, have you noticed who's getting the most out of the giving so far? It's us. We're really getting the most out of this. But that's what God wants to do. That's how much God loves us. He wants to bless us tremendously. You see, obedience, when we're obedient to him, he will bless us tremendously. Now, what happens if we're disobedient? Then he's going to lovingly correct us because he wants us to walk in the right path so that he can bless us. God desires to bless us tremendously. And sometimes we're going to miss the mark. Sometimes we're going to fall short. Sometimes we're just going to have a day that we just don't do what we're supposed to do. But, you know, if we call out on the Lord, he is merciful, he's forgiving, and he will help us get back on the right track. Even in that, all of that is love. God loves us that much. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, that means a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. So what do we get out of this? We get a new beginning. We get a new start. We get a second chance. And you know, I've heard many preachers say God is the God of a second chance, a third chance, a fourth chance, a fifth chance. As long as we keep calling out on the Lord, as long as we keep searching for God, as long as we keep trying to be obedient, God is going to continue to reach out to us. It's only when we rebel against him and we turn our backs on him and we we reject him altogether. That is the only way you'll ever not get the love of God. But even then, God will chase you down as far as he can. He loves you that much. We get a new beginning. We get a fresh start. We get a second chance. But what does God get out of it? He gets the more righteous children through the sacrifices of Jesus, that we become more righteous. You see, when we become a new creature in Christ, then we take on the righteousness of Christ. What is that? That means the right standing with God. Jesus takes all of our sin. He takes all of our disobedience, all of our rebellion on himself. He takes our sin on himself and gives us. It's an exchange. The Bible says he imputes unto us. His right standing with God. So what does God get? He gets children that are obedient and loving and caring through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Somebody said, wow, this is exciting. In Second Timothy 1.7, it says, For God has not given us, notice now, a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So it says, God has not given us. If you have the spirit of fear tonight, I can promise you, God did not give you that spirit. That is of the enemy. That is from Satan trying to keep you from doing and being all that God has destined you to be. But the Bible says, but instead, God has given us love and power and love and sound mind. So that's what we get out of this. So what does God get out of it? He gets that love. We love him. We trust him. We focus on him. We become dependent on him. And God loves that. We were never made to be independent. We were made to depend, on, to depend on God. And God says, I love you. I know what's best for you. I created you. I know everything about you. I don't make mistakes. God does not make mistakes. He has a divine future for every one of us, a destiny to do great things and with His presence and by His Spirit and through His Word and by His Son, Jesus Christ. So we get power, love, and sound mind, but what does God get? He gets our love in return. He gets our trust. He gets our focus now that we're focusing on Him and not on fear and the things that would keep us from walking in the power of the Spirit. In John 14, 26 But the comforter, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring into your remembrance all the things that I have said. So here in the spiritual bartering system of God, we receive the comforter, the helper, the teacher, the guide, the strengthener, the corrector, the Holy Spirit of God, The Spirit of the Father and the Spirit of the Son, we receive that when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. So what does God get out of it? A willing vessel so that he can flow through and work through. Once we yield completely to the Holy Spirit of God and his word, then we become a vessel that God and Jesus can flow through in a supernatural way a powerful way. And I want to remind you tonight, as we got started, if you have a prayer need tonight, please let us know. We're going to pray for you at the end of the program. So we get the comforter, we get the helper, we get the teacher. What does God get? A willing vessel that God can use in a mighty, mighty way and bless you in the meantime. So here are some more things that God will trade off with us. I mean, think about this. I mean, as a I could have gone on all night. I could have preached two hours on this message, God's spiritual bordering system. But look at some other things that God exchanges with us in our relationship with Him. God will take our fear and give us faith. Wow. He'll take our sorrow and He'll give us joy. He'll take our pain and replace it with peace. He'll take our worry and replace it with trust. Our hatred and replace it with love. Our unforgiveness and he'll replace it with forgiveness. Sickness, he'll exchange it for health. Captivity, he'll give you deliverance. Addiction, he gives you freedom. Anger, he'll give you calmness. Judging, he'll give you caring. Instead of judging, you will care about people. Sin, he'll give you a savior. Wow, Jesus Christ. For weakness, he gives you strength. For murmuring, he'll give you rejoicing. Instead of murmuring. Satisfaction, he'll give you hunger. You know, the Bible says to be content, but we'll never be satisfied. We can always go further. We can always accomplish more through the Word and the Spirit. So that satisfaction can become a hunger. God desires to do an awesome thing to each and every one of us. Doesn't matter who you are, God's got a plan for your life to do awesome things with you. Our pride can become humility, and believe it or not, heaven can be exchanged for hell and uh, if we're not careful. But God wants to give us heaven. But the devil wants us to end up in hell. Michael, that's where he's heading. But God says, no, I got a better plan. And I'll exchange that. I'll take that hell and I'll give you heaven if you'll trust me. If you got a moment. Let me go over those. Again, I believe that somebody needs to hear this. Fear for faith. Sorrow for joy. There we go. with the He says, I'll take that fear and I'll give you faith. So we're exchanging what? The fear. You remember he said he didn't give us a spirit of fear, but of faith. So we can have peace instead of pain. We can have trust instead of worry. We can have love instead of hatred. We can have forgiveness instead of unforgiveness. We can have health instead of sickness, deliverance instead of captivity. We can have freedom instead of addiction. We can have calmness instead of anger. We can have caring instead of judging. We can have a savior instead of being controlled by sin. We can have strength instead of weakness. We can have rejoicing instead of murmuring. We can have hunger instead of just plain satisfaction." We can have humility instead of pride, but above all, we can have heaven instead of hell if we'll trust God to be our father, Jesus to be our savior, the Holy Spirit to be our comforter, our teacher, even our loving corrector. You know, God said, as Jesus said, I didn't come to condemn the world, but that the world through me might be saved. God loves you tonight. My friends, we have not done a sin so big that God can't save us if we will trust him with our life, if we will give him our heart, if we will call out to him tonight, God will love us. He will help us go through everything we've got to face. This world is full of issues. It's full of problems. It's full of a lot of things. But if we will trust God and love him and love Jesus and accept what Jesus did for us at the cross and follow the word and the Holy Spirit, we can have victory. We can overcome the things of this world. I hope you get the point that we can't out give God. But guess what? Tonight, he really loves it when we try. We can't outgive God. No matter how much we bother with God, we can't outbarter God. He's going to always give us more than we ask for. He's going to always do more than what we can even hope for. We have nothing of value to lose in following God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, but we have everything to gain. You know, Paul said it this way in Philippians 3 8, he said, Indeed, I count everything as loss, because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus as my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. One translation says garbage and another translation says as gum, as animal dung, in order that I might gain Christ. So what was Paul saying? He said everything I have gained in myself. Through my ability, my education, my my talent, or what he said, I consider it all loss for the what? Surpassing worth. In other words, he's saying, Jesus is worth more than everything I've ever given up to follow Him. My friends, our lifetime, 60, 70, 80 years, 90 at the most, maybe a hundred. What is that compared to eternity? And yet Paul is saying everything that I could have ever accomplished. The Bible even stresses in one place, you know, what will a man give in exchange? Remember, we're talking about bartering. What will a man give in exchange for his soul? Another place it says, though a man gained the whole world, that means everything the world has to offer. The money, the wealth, the fame. if you piled it all up in one pile, if you could put all of it, past, present, and future, on one man and give him all of that that the world has to offer, he says, what will a man gain if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? The point being, our life is temporary, it's momentary, we're not going to live on this planet for so long, but we are going to live Forever. And what's important is God said, it's not the here and the now. Where are you going to be forever? God said, this is a short time. It's a temporary time. God says, I want to do awesome things in your life here and now, today, right now. God said, I can do some really awesome things in your life if you will trust me. But my friends, if we try to gain the world and the popularity and all the fame, if that's all we've got, that's not much to exchange. But God says, you know, don't try to gain the world, but instead gain what is eternal. Gain what is most important, and that is salvation through Jesus Christ. Tonight, my friends, God is in the bothering mood right now. God wants to do some bothering tonight with some people. Well, what do you mean by that? For those without Christ tonight, God says, I want to give you salvation. I want to forgive you of your sins. I want to introduce you to my son, Jesus Christ, who died for you. I want to introduce you to my word that will lead and guide you, my Holy Spirit that will help you. Tonight, if you've never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, God is giving you an invitation right now. And all we have to do is say, Lord, I accept you as my Heavenly Father. I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I confess my sins, and I accept your forgiveness. Because the Bible says he will forgive us if we ask. And that we commit our life to Him to do and be that which He's called us to be. Maybe you're one of those people tonight. You have never called Jesus Lord and Savior. Tonight would be a good night to do it. You see, God says, I want to make an exchange. I want to take that old life that you used to have where you did did everything your way. It was all about you. God says, I know it's not working for you, but I want to do something wonderful in you. God says, I want to do an awesome thing through your life. I want to touch other people through you. I want to give you something that is more valuable than this world can ever give, and that's eternity with me and my son and all those who've gone on before us. Through the blood of Jesus Christ tonight, your sins can be forgiven if you will simply ask God to forgive you and Jesus to come into your heart tonight. And when you make that exchange, you will gain all all of his love, his mercy, his grace. His peace, His joy, all the things we've mentioned tonight, God is offering you tonight if you will trust Him to be your Heavenly Father, if you will trust Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, if you will turn your life over to Him tonight and that little simple prayer, Father, I'm a sinner, and I accept Jesus as my Savior. I give you my life, and I will read your Word and follow your Spirit. Lead me in the way you want me to go. But then there are others tonight that may also, those that are in Christ, but maybe you're struggling with an issue. Maybe a problem, maybe a situation, maybe you are worried, you're stressed, and you've got pain or sorrow, you feel defeated, God invites you tonight. Look at what the scripture says in Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. This is Jesus speaking. He says, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, he said, and I will give you rest. You already know him. You've accepted him as your Lord and Savior, but you're going through some things. You got some issues. You got some problems. You got some situations. You do have some fears. You're worried about something. Tonight, he says, "Cast your care upon me, because I care for you." In the amplified version of First Peter five seven, it says, "Casting all your cares." That means all your anxieties, worries, concerns, once and for all. Why? Because we know we can trust God to take care of it and keep his word. It says on him being the father for God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit cares about you. How? With deepest affection and they will watch over you continually. So if you don't know Jesus as your savior tonight, I invite you, give your life to him tonight. It'll be the greatest bartering deal you've ever done is that you would give him everything because in return, he's going to give you everything that's most valuable. He'll give you what money can't buy. Now, don't get me wrong. God will meet our needs. God will take care of us. He'll protect us, provide for us, promote us. But more than that, God is looking at the spiritual because that's what lasts forever, not the temporary, not the momentary. My friends, where are you going to be 100 years from now? Where are you going to be 200 years from now? You know, as we have, Kim and I went over to the Lost Colony today, and even though they're not running the program, there's a museum there. And, you know, it's been over 400 and some years since the event happened that the, the colony was lost, and nobody to this day knows where they went. Well, where are you going to be 400 years from now? Where will I be for it? I'm going to be in the presence of the Lord. And I pray that you're going to be there too. God wants you to have a relationship with him and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. God wants to give you his word to help you, teach you, guide you. God wants you to have peace and joy. And tonight, even if you are a child of God, you don't have to worry. You don't have to be stressed. Cast your care upon the Lord. If you are heavy laden, what did he say? He says, come unto me tonight and I'll give you rest. Wow, what a powerful message tonight, God's spiritual bartering system. I do trust tonight that you got something out of this, and that it has been a blessing to you. Get ready, we're going to be getting this on a podcast. Tonight's title is simply taking action, taking action, and uh, what's what it's all about. You know, the world, as we look around, is full of hurting people. I'm be honest, you've been there, I've been there, but there are a lot of people who are still there, a lot of hurting people in this world. You don't have to go far to find somebody who's going through something, a hardship, a pain, a disappointment, and the list can go on almost daily. We hear of someone struggling. We hear of a heartache, a pain, suffering, bad news. Something's going on all the time. If you turn on the news it's full of people for which we can show sympathy. You know, we can, our hearts go out to them. When you hear their story, when you see what they're going through, right now there are devastating fires in Australia, but we've seen those same fires in California. People losing their homes and their property, and sadly, even some are losing their lives. Earthquakes all around the world and other natural disasters that are taking lives and taking Property, even over in China right now, and this seems to be spreading uh, the disease that is in China and then we think about cancer, we think about so many diseases, and when you hear the story, it, it can't help but touch your heart if you've got one. There's some people I'm sure they're they're not bothered by anything, but you know the majority of people it touches our heart, it touches our head. If something happens when we hear about the bad news, we hear what somebody else is going through. The abuse, you know, child abuse, elderly abuse, spousal abuse, and the list can go on. Victims of crime, almost, you know, they've got total episodes of programs such as Crime Watchers and all this. Nothing but crime and stories, forensics, crime after crime. What People were involved in those situations. And so our world around us emotionally, physically, socially, financially. People suffer in a lot of different areas. Most believers, however, thank God, feel sympathy in such in such situations. Now what do I mean by sympathy? The definition of sympathy is the feelings of pity and sorrow for someone else's misfortune, pain, suffering, situation, and etc. So again, what is sympathy? It is the feelings of pity or sorrow. For someone else's misfortune, their pain, their suffering, their situation, their condition, whatever, it's a hard person who does not have some level of sympathy toward others who are in some way hurting, but then there are times when the pain and the problems of others become personal. You see, we we start at different levels that work their way into compassion. The first level is always sympathy. So again, sympathy is, is, is I, I have feelings of pity, of sorrow, and then that begins to work into a new level. And that new level, in other words, those times that I feel their pain, I understand their situation, that is called empathy. So sympathy is to feel pity and to feel sorrow towards someone's situation. But it becomes real personal. When it's something you've been through also. In those times, we don't just have sympathy, we have empathy. And empathy is the ability to understand and share the feelings and circumstances of another. So you've gone to a whole new level. You've gone beyond just sympathy, feeling pity and sorrow. But now it hits home. And this happens a lot. And those are the people we often can relate to the most. And we actually are the most sympathetic toward is the ones that we have empathy toward them. Great thing. The Bible says that even Jesus empathized with our condition and gave himself as a sacrifice for our sin. He sympathized with our weakness, how weak we are as human beings, and he gave his life for us. Now, what do we mean? What are some situations where empathy would apply? It is a recovering addict definitely understands the addictions of others. You know, an addiction is an addiction, and it doesn't matter what it is, whether it's pornography, whether it's drugs, alcohol, lying, shopping, overspend. It doesn't matter what. If it's an addiction, it controls you, and you don't control it. And the people who understand that better than anyone is somebody who's been through an addiction. You know, I had an addiction I dealt with for years and thank God he helped me to get control of it so that it doesn't control me. I can sympathize with people who go through addiction. I can empathize with them. I have sympathy, but I also have empathy because, Hey, I've been there when I hear their story. It brings something up inside of me that allows me to minister to them because I've been there. Who better to tell you how to go through cancer as someone who's been through cancer? We never, ever want to hear that word at any level. Even when the doctor says, hey, we got it early, it's not serious, cancer's cancer, and we always take it serious. But you know, when someone has gone through it, they can empathize. They don't just have sympathy. They have empathy. They know what it's like. They know the things that they feel, what they go through, the doubt, the fear, the attacks of the enemy, the mental. They know it. And my friends, every one of us have been through things that will help us to empathize with other people. Now, sympathy is good, but it doesn't do much. But when we begin to empathize, when we go through, and I really believe God always wants us to use our testimony the things we've been through to help other people. So many people don't get what they need because so often we don't share our testimony. We don't really want other people to know sometimes what we've been through. You know, to tell you tonight that there was a time that pornography was an issue in my life, you know, that's not something I'm proud of. But I'm going to tell you, I deal with a lot of men and, and when they tell, hey, you know, Brother Mills, I'm going through this. I can tell them how they feel. I can tell them about the guilt, the shame, the embarrassment. I can tell them about how God brought me through that and how God can bring. But you see, if I've never been there, you know, I, I don't want to. I don't even know how to say it, but I don't want somebody to tell me how to go through something. Come on, now, if they ain't been through it. I don't want you to read a book on it and then tell me what the book says that I can relate to somebody who's been through what I've been through a lot better than I can deal with somebody trying to tell me what a book said. So you see, I've been through things, you've been through things, and sometimes we got to get beyond the embarrassment and realize God delivered us to help others be delivered. Can I get an amen out of somebody tonight? God delivered you so that you could help somebody else in God and the Spirit and the Word find their deliverance. Quit worrying about the embarrassment. There's so many Christians tonight that are in the bondage of fear because you're worried somebody else is going to find out what you've been through, not realizing that God can use that tool to help somebody else get free. Somebody else needs to hear what you've been through. My friends, we need to just... (laughs) Go on and be real. And quit hiding behind a mask, trying to be something we are not. You know, that's kind of what my newsletter deals with this month. You know, Kim's got an awesome newsletter. I'm finishing mine up. We're running a little behind, but we're going to get this done. You know, an abused person understands abuse. Whether it be a wife, whether it be a child, whether it be a... They understand abuse. If you grew up in an abusive home, you understand abuse. And you're the one who can best help somebody who's been through abuse, especially if you've allowed God to help you overcome abuse, and you've allowed God to help you get through it, then you can share not only what you went through, but how God, and don't don't ever get hung up in the past, what I mean, share what you need to share, but always bring them over into what God can do, So sometimes we just want to talk about what we've been through, but we don't want to give the answer for the deliverance, and that's going to always be God through the word and the Holy Spirit, you know when you lose a parent, a child, a spouse, a grandparent, a friend. When I was pastor of Highest Praise Church in Princeton, North Carolina, I used to always tell our people: when you go to a funeral home and someone has lost a loved one, if you have not lost someone of equivalent stature, what I mean is, if, if you, your daddy is still alive, don't tell somebody who just lost their father. You know how they feel because you don't. You've never lost, see, you can sympathize, but you can't empathize, and that's the reason we have to be careful, and in situations like that, we say, I love you, if I can help you, and that's all we need to say, but to say, I know what you're going through, and you haven't been through it, my friend, that's just a lie, and we have to be careful with that, you know, I could sympathize with people who lost their father, but I could not empathize with them until my father went to glory. Now, have I lost him? No, he's just been displaced for a season. I'm going to be with him soon. My mama, my family, we're going to all be back together soon. We're just going for a short time on this planet to do the work of the Lord, but I'm going to see my daddy again, but I can tell you what it's like to be without him. I can tell you what it's like to think about my father every day. I can, I can tell you, how every day I thank God for what he meant in my life. I can tell you what it feels like now. Before I could sympathize, but now I can empathize. And when you tell me you just lost your father and you had a good father, then I can tell you what that feels like. And I can encourage you and I can let you know, God, hey, He's in, he's with the father tonight and everything's going to be all right and we're going to be together soon. But we should never try to tell somebody about something if we haven't been through it. Now, it's okay to, to share, hey, well, you know I read this, I read, but but you got to be careful with that. You, it, sympathy and empathy are two different things. Financial hardship, you know, whether it's your choice or someone else. I, I can't tell you the amount of time I made the wrong choice when it came to finances. But One thing about it, when somebody says, hey, I made a bad choice, I can tell you what that's like. I've been there. And then there are things I don't have a clue about. I don't know what it's like to be in certain areas. I've had times I made bad financial choices, but I've never been bankrupt. I can't tell you what it feels like. I can't tell you what it's like going through that. But other people can. But I can sympathize. But at the same time, if I've been through it, I ought to be ready to help somebody going through it. Then there's rejection. There's neglect. There's limitations. There are handicaps. You see, all of these are emotions and things that people go through. And sometimes we can empathize with them. We've been there. We've been rejected. We've been there. But we should always point to Jesus. We should always point to the Father. Just like Jesus, he was always pointing to the Father. No matter what we've been through, we should be ready to share that and help someone else who's going through that. We should have empathy and sympathy for people. when How about being stressed? Worried, anxiety, doubt, and fear. I'm probably talking to some folks tonight. You at some level you're dealing with some of these things, but I want you to know God is a loving Father, Jesus is a loving Savior, the Holy Spirit is an awesome spirit to help you, to comfort you, to empower you, to strengthen you. How about divorce? How about abandonment? You know, people go through these things, and if you've been through these things, You should make yourself available to help people. If you truly empathize with somebody, you should be ready to help them. There are times when we truly feel the pains and the disappointments of other people because we have been there, been there, done that, went through that. Many times we must guard ourselves from being drawn back into those feelings, those emotions when listening to somebody else's misfortune their pain their so you know the thing is we're to make ourselves available but don't allow the devil to take you back there you know there are some things in my life if you push the right buttons you 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 might you might get me stirred up a little bit because it takes me back to a place that i really don't want to be but at the same time because god brought me out of it then i try to help the people that's talking about it but be careful be on your guard when somebody wants to talk to you about something they're going through because you can be snapped back into something, but keep your guard up. When you go to help somebody, to listen to somebody, ask the Holy Spirit, help me guard my heart, guard my mind, my emotions while I'm listening to what this person's going through and then show me how I can help them. So sympathy and empathy, they're different levels, but they all lead to compassion. Compassion is this. It is sympathetic pity or concern for the suffering and the misfortunes of others. Isn't it amazing how these are so close together but yet they're all distinct and different? The sympathy, the empathy, and they lead to compassion. In Colossians 3:12 it says therefore as God's chosen people, wow, I love that. Holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. But notice, I believe when you're reading the word of God, first order is important. Anybody else believe that? I believe whatever's mentioned first is most important. And notice the first thing he said, because we are the chosen people of God, because we are holy, because we are duly loved by God, Jesus, and the Spirit, he said, clothe yourself with compassion. First, compassion. Now, we as God's children should be concerned with the needs of others and not just ourselves and not just our family, not just our church, and the list can go on. But tonight, I want to ask you, Do we really care about what other people are facing or going through? Do you really care outside of your own family, your own life? Some people don't even care about their family as long as everything's going their way. Can I get an amen? But that's selfishness and that's another sermon. But tonight, I'm not asking them, I'm I'm asking you. God asked me when I wrote this down. Do we really care about what other people are facing? what they're going through, how they're feeling. You know, sometimes, me and Kim talk about this a lot. We can justify why we don't do things. Because we say, well, if that person had to done this, or if they'd have done that, or if they'd have done this, <laughs> hey, I'm just being honest. You know, sometimes when I see somebody on the street. Well, if they just go get a job, come on now. Am I talking to anybody? Come on, amen. This is a good place to amen. We have an opinion And that opinion keeps us from ministering to that person. Amen? You see, it doesn't matter why they're in the situation. Because if you'll be honest, a lot of times we got ourselves in a mess and God sent somebody else to help us get out. Oh, Lord. I think I'm going to turn this over and let Kim preach a little bit now. Come on, folks. Let's be honest. That's, That's what it's all about. How many times have you looked at somebody else in need or crisis or hurt and pain, instead of reaching out with sympathy, empathy, and concern, we became judgmental? If they would have. (laughs) How about we just say, if we would have. I can't tell you the times I messed up, I made mistakes, the time I hurt people, the time people hurt me, and the list could go on. Even Paul said, the things I want to do, I don't seem to be able to do, and the things I don't want to do is what I end up doing. Paul said, and I understand, I'm a chief of sinners. My friend, ain't no need to come, nobody coming out of my past saying, well, Glenn did this and Glenn did that. I'll just tell you up front, I'm chief of sinners. I've messed up as much as anybody. And thank God for his forgiveness. And that same God that forgives Glenn Mills forgives you if you've asked him and allowed his grace to do the work. You don't have to bring up anything out of my past. But well, number one, it's already under the blood and so is yours if you repented and asked Jesus, who am I to judge you? But my friends, we've got to quit being so judgmental and look beyond that and realize that whatever the situation people have needs, people are hurting, people are going through things. And if God loves us, we should love other people. We should be compassionate. We should start out with sympathy, move into empathy if you can, and then let the compassion start. Do we really do we really care about what other people are facing? Well, let me ask you this. When was the last time you truly felt sympathy, empathy, or compassion? I hope you can say today. I hope you can say just a few hours ago because you heard about what somebody was going through or you remembered somebody's prayer, prayer item or you or you heard what was going on in the news. You see, you say, well, you know, I, I, I had sympathy about a year ago. <laughs> well, whew, you need to catch up. <laughs> you need to catch up, let the Holy Spirit don't because we ought to be having sympathy every day, empathy often and compassion always. My friend, it doesn't mean that people don't make mistakes and mess up and sin. It doesn't mean that at all. It means we need to be more like Jesus. And don't judge them for what they did, but see what we can do to help them get where they need to be. Like all the people helped me and helped Kim and helped others get where they need to be. You know, we're part of a, a wonderful, loving church family that supports us and cares about us and encourages us. And when we're out of town ministering somewhere, they're praying for us. And we pray for them. And And... There are not enough words for that. But my friends, people need people, and Christians especially need to realize our greatest witness is when we reach out and touch somebody else's pain. That's when we show Jesus the most. I want to make a note. Sympathy, empathy, and compassion. Now, when you look it up in the dictionary, Wow! This was whew, this is a revelation. I'm not too smart anyway when it comes to English and grammar and all of that. If you hadn't picked up on that by now, but when you read those, they're in the noun form. They're singular. That means you can have sympathy, empathy, and even compassion, and not do a single thing about it. It's just it's right here. It's in your head. You know that person's going through something, and you got you got sympathy. You know they've been through what you've been through and you got empathy. You know they got a need and you know you should have compassion. That is all in the noun form. But all of these are just thoughts until they become a verb. And the only thing that makes it a verb is love. Love activates sympathy, it activates empathy. It activates compassion. If you didn't catch anything else, catch that. You see, all three of those are in the head until they hit the heart. When love kicks in, then we're going to do something about the sympathy we have, the empathy we're experiencing, and the compassion that God has shown us. Only love can turn the noun into a verb. In 1 John 3.17, look at what it says about even material possessions. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or a sister in need, but has no pity or sympathy or empathy on them, look at what it says. How can the love of God be in that person? If we see needs around us, Whether physically, emotionally, mentally, and God puts those people in our path and we don't do something about it out of love. God says the love of God is not even in us. We've got a head knowledge, but we don't have a heart knowledge. And my challenge to you tonight is don't allow these three things, as valuable as they are, remain a noun in your life, but pray the Holy Spirit help you. To allow those things to become a verb. Action. Put them to action. That's the title of the message. Message, Take action. Don't just know it. Show it. Be it. In 1 Corinthians, it teaches us in the love chapter that we are nothing and we cannot accomplish anything of worth without love. You know, it says if I have the voice of angels, if I give my body to be burned, if I do all of these things, and and yet I don't have love, then the Bible says it's useless. It's meaningless. Sympathy without love is meaningless. Empathy without love is meaningless. Even compassion without love is just a noun. It's just a term. It's not going to mean anything. God is love. And he gave his son for us. Jesus is love and he gave his life for us. The Holy Spirit is love and he gives himself to us daily to help us, comfort us, teaches us, corrects us, and empowers us. People may hear our opinions. They may listen to our advice, but above all things, they need our love. There's an old saying, people don't care how much you know till they know how much you care. Tonight, I want you to check your sympathy level, your empathy level, your compassion level, and ask yourself, have I allowed the Spirit and the Word of God to activate these things with the power of love? Because that is the only thing that's going to cause us to do anything about what we're experiencing, sympathizing, empathizing, and having compassion for. God's word and the Holy Spirit will show us how to respond to the needs, the hurts, the sufferings, the misfortunes, and so on of other people. It's not a matter of going to church. I I, I want to tell every one of you, I appreciate you going to church. I really do. I thank God that you go to church, but I had much rather you be the church. How do you be the church? You love God with all your heart, soul, mind, body, and strength. And love your neighbor, all those other people, as yourself. If you were going through something, wouldn't you want somebody through love to sympathize with you, encourage you, help you? Wouldn't you want someone who had been through it to empathize with you and share with you how God took them? Wouldn't you want somebody through love to show compassion and not a judgmental attitude? You know, you don't generally have to tell people why they're where they're at. They already know that. They just need to know how can I get out of this? What can I learn through this? Does God still care about me? Have I gone too far? Is there any help for me? You don't know how many people are asking that question. You don't know how many people are stressed tonight. And I know a lot of times we bring this on ourselves, but all we can do is be the light of Jesus and the light of other people, the light to show them. He loves you. He cares about you. He's got a plan for you. Even if you're living in sin, he wants to help you. So often we want to set them aside. Well, well, they're in the sin. Haven't we all been in sin? Chances are if you live long enough, you're going to be in it again. The first time we judge somebody tomorrow, we're already in sin. But thank God for his grace, his mercy, his forgiveness. God did not just sympathize with us. Jesus, the Bible says, he empathized with our weakness, but he didn't just empathize with us. The Holy Spirit does not just have compassion toward us. They loved us and helped us in our time of need. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They went beyond sympathy, they went beyond empathy, they went beyond compassion. And yet, all three represent love God is love, Jesus is love, and the Holy Spirit's love. And everything they've done in us, through us, and for us has been done through love. Tonight, your sympathy, empathy, and compassion can remain a noun. Something you know, or you can back it up with love and start helping people, loving people, nurturing people. I urge you tonight don't just open your eyes, open your heart and your hand. We can see what people are going through, but we need to open our hearts and we need to open our hands. We need to be ready to help people tonight. I pray every day, Lord, let me be your lips, let me be your eyes, let me be your hand, and let me be your heart to the people I meet today. If they need encouragement, let me encourage them. If they need help, let me help them. If they need correction, let me lovingly help them get that correction so that they will see you in it and not me. And realize that even in your correction, you are love, because he loves us. You know, if you're listening tonight and you've never given your heart to Jesus Christ, and tonight the Lord's speaking to you, he loves you, he cares about you. God sent his son to the cross to die for you. There had to be a blood sacrifice for your sin. And Jesus made that sacrifice once and for all. He doesn't have to go back there again. He loves you. And if you're listening tonight and you've never given your heart to the Lord, I love you enough to tell you God loves you, Jesus loved you and died for you, and the Holy Spirit wants to come into your life and help you in your relationship with God. But tonight you need to ask him to come into your heart. You need to ask Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior tonight. The Bible says that if you'll accept him into your heart tonight, Jesus Christ, into your heart, and believe that God raised him from the dead and confess your sin, which means, Lord, I'm a sinner, and I, I want your salvation. I want to turn from my sin And I want to walk in a relationship with you. And tonight, if you will just pray a simple prayer, Lord, come into my heart and be my Lord and Savior. I give my life to you through that simple prayer tonight. Just anything like that tonight, you can know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And, And God's going to help you, send you the right people. God's going to put you in the right path, the right church, and help you grow in your walk with the Lord. If you've made that decision tonight, then we've got a booklet we'd like to send you, 13 steps on your beginning Christian walk. And we'll send that to you for free. You just contact us at the ministry with your name and address. And we want to rejoice with you. Let us know the decision that you've made. If you, anytime you need prayer, please let us know. My friend tonight, again, the title of the message, Taking Action. Don't just have a head knowledge of sympathy, empathy, and compassion, but allow your heart to kick in And take that noun into a verb and start doing and being like Jesus.